Thanks for listening to WagerAger. Before I get you to the latest audio, I'd just like to clarify that this is the podcast for week 14 NFL bets. I've had this mental block for, I'd like to say that it's only been a week or two, but it's going on probably about six or seven weeks now where my mind is thinking that it's a week before. So for the first, I don't know, two, two and a half, three minutes before Yanni corrects me in this podcast, I keep referring to it as week 13, asking the guys about how their week 12 went. Well, week 12 turned out to be Thanksgiving weekend. So week 14 NFL bets, we break down a lot of good matchups here. Go through the card. Thanks for listening. Just wanted to clarify that up front. So without further ado, week 14, NFL. Thanks for joining us here at WagerAger. D-Nice, back with the fellas. We got Tasty. We got Yanni. We got, we're going into week 13 here. Tasty, what's going on? Still repping Viking strong. Still repping the hat. 10 and 2, man. Yep, still still in purple. So we'll see after this week uh, if if we can stay in it. But yeah. I'll take the wins as, as long as they're coming, man. As long as they're coming, we'll definitely talk about them this week. And they're actually underdogs. A 10-2 and two team underdogs against a sub-500 team would love to know how often that's happened. Yanni, I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you know if that's happened before, a 10-2 and two team as an underdog against a sub-500 this late in the year? I am not sure. I've seen a lot of posts about the spread in that game. And I've, <laughs> yeah. I've read some different things, but I'm, I'm not positive on that. But, boy, it's, it's definitely – it's definitely out there. Definitely something notable that we'll go through. So before we get to what we want to talk in week 13, as we're definitely in the home stretch here, definitely down to like the last month of the season, which is hard to believe. We're in uh, December 7th as we're recording this on Wednesday evening. Week 12 was up and down. Taste, I know on your show, I was not good. I got another offer, but we actually did have some good picks on this podcast last week. We did say Niners. They did lose Jimmy G, which sucked. We hit something else last week. I think I, uh, I'm pretty sure Yanni was Jets in a tease. So we had the Jets in a tease, even though that we said that we liked him in a spread. Week 12 overall for you, Yanni, in terms of bets and just overall thoughts. Go for it. Well, I'm, I'm going to call you out here because week 12 was okay. Week 13, which was last week. What the hell is wrong with me? What the I, hell is wrong with you? You've had just, a busy night, man. Just making sure that but, the list, but like, just no. I just want to make sure the listeners understand that we're talking week fourteen here because I don't want them to think, oh, week thirteen, we already passed that. We're listening to the wrong podcast. I'm probably, so. I probably need to do like a one minute intro, just caveat in the fact that I, I am always one week behind, and it's been since like week six that I'm just like, oh yeah, um, it's week six, and then you guys are like, uh, no, it's actually week seven here, D. But Yanni, week thirteen takeaways, right? Week fourteen, we're headed into Jesus. No, they, like I said, man, just don't want to confuse the listeners here. We want them to think we're looking forward to week 14. So <laughs> I, week 13, I mean, honestly, my biggest takeaway was uh, your Philadelphia Eagles and the way that they just lambasted Tennessee there. And I, I think, you know, I missed that game badly. I thought that was going to be a competitive football game. It did not turn out to be a competitive football game. And no. when I, when I, when I watched and when I went back, I was trying to figure out, are the Eagles really, really, really good? Are the Titans really, really, really bad? And not to play cop out here. It's a little of both. I think, I think the Titans, you know, we're, we're seeing that they've kind of gotten by with what I would call good coaching, hard play, you know, those kind of things, fundamental football, but it's catching up to them here when they play a team that has talent like the Eagles 
And, you know, Jalen Hurts continues really a, a potential run at an MVP. It's, it's certainly not impossible. But I got to tell you, as I watch that game, he's standing in the pocket and he has all the time in the world. Yeah, man. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where, first of all, I think Jalen Hurts is, a, is becoming a very good quarterback. But I'll be honest, in that offense, I don't even know that they need a very good quarterback because, you know, I think you could plug pretty much anyone in behind that offensive line and they're going to do well. Now, obviously, Hurts gives him the ability with the run, his athleticism, and he is, you know, improving and playing very well. But my takeaway is, at the end of the day, there's a lot of people hyping up Dallas. I understand why. Um, you know, the Niners, maybe before Jimmy went out, a lot of people were out, you know, high on them. I still think the NFC is the Eagles to lose here by far. I mean, I just, I'm impressed. Philly emerged once again, and they probably didn't need to emerge, but I, I say that because we did come out and say that we we had Titans bets last week and they were at six and five and a half. I think I got five to five and a half that got bet down to a four and a half. And we liked the matchup overall because of what we saw from, you know, the Titans just grinding out wins and there are some nice trends and stats. And you can't always go on that of the Titans and Vrabel, especially as a dog. And the Eagles look to be in that part of the schedule and the season that they they were showing a little bit of not regression, but just not as strong as they once were back, you know, say five to six weeks back. Had injuries. Guess what? Didn't matter. They, they put up 453 yards of offense. Hertz, I think, had 380 through the air. Tasty. So that's that's definitely a big time takeaway. Tasty, what were you thinking? And maybe it's your Vikings. Maybe it's Cincinnati. Maybe it's none of those teams. Uh, from last week in terms of takeaways? Pretty sure that was week 13, right? I think I have the weeks down, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you got it. You got yeah, it. Yeah. You got it. Uh, I mean, I think the Buccaneers stuck out to me as being terrible again. Uh, it just, even though they won, it reinforced to me that they're as bad as I've thought they are. Um, and, you know, some some impressive teams, what the 49ers did was impressive, I think what the Bengals did was impressive, even though it seemed like a lot of people were calling it against the Chiefs, and that's maybe a good matchup for them, but still to go out there and get it done um, is huge. And I agree about the Eagles. I, I won't talk about it too much because you guys talked about it a lot, but all these bets we had on the Eagles, uh, futures bets, I, I was getting a little bit nervous, just not because I thought they weren't good, but it was like, is this lull going to cause them to lose a couple games yeah. and possibly lose the division and stuff? So to see them come out and just, I think be what they can be against the Titans uh, was reassuring. Yeah, probably the most start to finish um, completed effort from the Eagles there. I'm just taking a look at their schedule right here down the stretch. They've got the Giants, the Bears, the Cowboys, the Saints, the Giants. So even if they do lose, that'll be December 24th against the Cowboys. Cowboys would need them to lose another one and Cowboys, I guess, essentially run the table at this point to try to get that one seed. So in pretty good shape there overall, um, looking good. So we'll see what happens this week. They're, they're favored by about six and a half, seven against the Giants. Other takeaways from this week, you have the, the Chiefs that, that lost. The Chiefs now are no longer in the one seed. Yanni, your Bills are the one seed once again, courtesy of the Chiefs lost the Bengals, which that is a winning bet that we got last week. We said, since he, I think it was like plus two, 
if you had a money line ticket, that cash for Cincinnati, all of a sudden Joe Burrow and the Bengals, who had that rough 0-2 start, they're sitting at 8-4. and They've won 8 of 10. They're in line – well, not in line, but not out of the mix for – to win their division, yes. But also, if the Chiefs were to lose and they win, there's a potential that they could get the one seed, probably need a Bills loss too. I'm not sure how the, the tiebreakers um, stack up there. But a lot of the cream rising to the top. And, Yanni, you've got the Bills as the one seed. I think it was a good three weeks maybe where they were, you know, not even in first place in their division. But the Bills back at the one seed, you're probably feeling pretty good about that right now? Feeling pretty good. I mean, it's always good to kind of control your own destiny, I think, and be in the driver's seat. But they, they've got a pretty tough schedule down the, the stretch. I mean, they have basically a game at Chicago that I think most people would say is pretty winnable. Um, but outside of that, I mean, they, you know, they don't have any layups the rest of the way. And you kind of look at Kansas City's schedule the rest of the way. It's pretty soft. So, you know, I don't know that they can stay in that one seat. Unfortunately, we'll see. And, um, you know, the big news today, obviously, we're recording this on a Wednesday. Von Miller actually did tear his ACL, unfortunately. So um, for me, that's that's not a good thing, not only because Bill's fans were excited about having him back for the playoff run, but, you know, not only is that not going to happen, but he's now going to miss half of next year, too. So yeah. but all, overall, still feeling pretty good. And, you know, like I said, it's nice to kind of be in that situation and know that if you take care of your own business, nothing else can hurt you. Yeah, hopefully that doesn't hurt them too much. I'm a big I'm a big Von Miller guy. I think that that was a key cog and that kind of goes without saying, but a key cog of that defense. And uh, what happened there? Like, because I thought that he didn't tear his ACL. Did it need to subside and swelling? And then all of a sudden they're like, oh yeah, this is actually torn a couple weeks later. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, uh, as much as I'd like to play a doctor, the only thing I know is originally they said it wasn't torn at least via MRI Uh, It sounds like they went in there today to do a little, I guess, what they called an exploratory kind of look around, whatever. And I guess when they got in there, they realized that it was, in fact, torn. So, um, you know, however that works, again, I'm not a doctor. I don't know. But disappointing because, I mean, they literally were saying, hey, he's going to go on IR. He's going to come back for week, uh, whatever, 16 and 17 and hopefully in the playoffs. And, you know, then here we are. And like I said, uh, you know, it's bad enough to lose him for a season, but you lose him for half a year next year. And when you're paying a guy that much money, uh, you know, you, it's, it's tough to not have him on the field. Yeah, he's not getting any younger either. So, okay. I appreciate the update from Dr. Yanni there. So how about we do WTF segment for this week? Let's uh, spice it up a little bit here. Tasty, what's on your mind in terms of what you're saying? What the fuck right now as we go into week 14? Yeah, I just have to say what the fuck uh, to Deshaun Watson. Uh, I mean, he'd been gone a long time. And so I think this was part of the reason that I took the under in that game. I didn't expect him to come back and be lights out or anything, but he was worse than I thought he would be. Um, even completed passes. I mean, he had receivers looking at him, wondering what he was doing. Even completed passes were around people's feet behind them. I'm sure he'll pull it together some eventually, but I think uh, for the rest of this season, at least in the very short term, they definitely would have been better off with Jacoby Brissett. And they just paid him the most of any quarterback in history. I'm not sure he's worth that, even when he's like back up to speed and truly healthy. Uh, so that's the Browns being the Browns again. And uh, yeah, he he just looked like a disaster to me, much worse than I thought he would. Didn't look good at all. Good bet on that under. Yeah, it kind of kind of makes you wonder. It's like, okay, well, this guy basically hasn't played in two years. 
why do you want to throw him out there? I guess one, because like you said, to your point, Tace, you paid him like the most expensive contract almost in history. And I guess also it's like, well, if this guy, like if you actually think this guy's going to get back on track, you need him to close the year here so that maybe the Browns can put together some kind of an effort next year. We know that that's probably not going to be a playoff season because it's just the Browns. Yanni, what are you saying WTF on right now? Well, well apparently we should have discussed because Tasty actually stole mine there. That's awesome. Oh, that's what I get for going <laughs> but, first. Yeah, but I, I will say mine that's is awesome. sli- mine's slightly <laughs> different. It does have a slight variation, and it was going to be WTF to the Browns coaching staff. Um, obviously, we knew Watson was going out there, and some of this stems from my bitterness of I had a Nick Chubb rushing prop that did not get home. I also had Nick Chubb in all of my DFS lineups, which is really the only thing that kept me from having some nice paydays. Um, and you know, I just, you look at a game like that and if I'm the coach and I'm playing the worst run defense in the league and I have Nick Chubb on my team, I'm handing the ball off to him 25 to 30 times in that game to make it easier for my quarterback. Instead, what do we have? We have Watson, like Tasty said, running around looking like a clown out there. And they could they could have eased him into that by getting Nick Chubb six yards of tote and breaking off some 30 yard runs. And they didn't do it. So, you know, to me, it's just kind of the Browns being the Browns and they're a WTF in, it, in itself. So Cleveland fans come at me, whatever, but that's just the truth about that organization. They did get the win. They're five and seven, I guess, not mathematically out of it right now, but you just have to wonder about what they're doing and their game plan and just everything. We all had Nick Chubb in DFS. And I mean, he didn't really impress at all. Now, thankfully, he, he didn't destroy my team entirely, but we expected a lot more from the Browns and their game plan overall. And uh, I mean, I'm just happy that I'm not a Browns fan, guys, because uh, it's a little painful these days. Speaking of the Browns, they are six, six and a half point underdogs this week against the Bengals. Teaser spot, I guess. Right, guys? If we want to tease the Bengals down. That's potentially something that we could get on board with. Just high level before we get into games, games that we're going to talk about are for sure Tampa and the Niners, Bills, Jets, Lions, Vikings. And then I think we might kind of mix and match and find some other bets that we like. Did any of you guys tease the Bengals down against the Browns this weekend? Show of hands. Anybody? No, no, not so far. No, not yet. But, you know, you guys may have saw the stat that. Burrow, obviously, it was well-documented, 3-0 and against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, which is pretty amazing. 0-4 yeah. against, against the Browns. So, you know, how, yeah. how does that happen? And we saw, was it Halloween night when Cincinnati went in there and got basically run off the field by Cleveland? I don't expect that to happen again. I think this Bengals team is playing better now. Obviously, they didn't have Jamar Chase. I think that was the first or second game without Chase when they played in Cleveland. Um, and, and, you know, to the point, I think Deshaun Watson, the Bengals defense is playing better. I don't think he's going to play well again. I think they'll slow Chubb down a little bit and, you know, we'll see. I do think they're a tease here. The crazy thing, and I can't do it. I actually think the plus six is the right side in this game. No chance right now that I'm, I'm doing that with Deshaun Watson. So if I were betting that game, I would tease and take the Bengals to win. Pretty interesting trend about that. Oh, and four, like, how are you three and oh against the chiefs and then oh and four against <laughs> that that's that's crazy but yeah um if i'm going to do anything here tease it could tease them with the eagles you can get philly six and a half seven down so okay good stuff let's do our first in-depth game and you know what 
Tasty, let's do Lions and Vikings. It's a one o'clock game, technically not in the order of games played because Jets and Bills would be above that in terms of the order on the unabated screen right now. But it's probably worth mentioning that the Vikings that we said at the top of the show, they're underdogs. They're 10 and two. They have the two seed in the NFC. The Lions are out of the playoffs right now. Lions are playing pretty damn good football. Fared by two and a half. You might be able to get some twos. You you can get a two at points bet still. Tasty, are you feeling uh, like this is, you know, you're getting kind of disrespected here, Tasty, that you're 10 and two and you're an underdog against the lowly Lions? Nah, not really. I mean, probably not lowly here, Lions, but here's, here's the way I look at this is. I mean, I've just seen on Twitter, it's like people on Twitter are pissed off that the Vikings have 10 wins. Like, they've taken it oh, personally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This team that, like, I'll go with you. They should probably only have, like, seven wins. That's fine. Uh, I can live with that. Guess what, motherfuckers? They have 10. Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, it turns out that they've won pretty much all of the their way, close games. Yeah, that's the way things break in the NFL sometimes. Also, like, I saw a graphic today of if all the one score games went the other way, here's what the records would be. Well, guess what? Some teams are good at winning close games and some teams aren't. So that's a totally (laughs) stupid graphic to me. And I'm not saying that the Vikings haven't gotten lucky at all. And I think the Lions are playing great right now. What I would say about these two teams is I think these are almost the same team. They both have really good offensive weapons. The Lions offensive line is probably a little bit better, but the Vikings offensive line has played better in recent weeks other than against the Cowboys, uh, which have an absolutely dominant pass rush. And when Kirk has time, he's fine. And Jared Goff has been playing really well. You got to give him credit. I'm on right. Ross St. Brown is an absolute baller. Swift had a good game last week. Williams has played well. Well, guess what? The Vikings have Justin Jefferson, probably the best wide receiver in the league. Adam Thielen is still decent. TJ Hawkinson is a great tight end. Dalvin Cook's a good running back. Alexander Madison can run the ball. Like, I just feel like people are going into this game and the way I hear him talk about it on Twitter is like the, the damn lions should be favored by 30 or something. And I just look at it and say, I think these are very similar teams. Both of them struggle on defense. Both of them have really good offenses. I think it's likely that it's a fairly high scoring game and that, uh, I mean, both of these teams, I could see them beating the other one by 10 plus points, but I think it's probably close again. And are the Vikings due to lose a close game? Yeah, probably. But have they won? Have they lost close games so far this year? Nope. Uh, have the have the Lions at times? So I have not bet this yet. But if it gets to three on the Vikings, I think I might bet the Vikings at three. Um, oh yeah. But as of right now, I, like where it currently stands, I'll probably just leave it alone. The Lions are the Lions are crushing right now. I can definitely see them winning this game, but I don't even think that means anything terrible for the Vikings. I think the Vikings would still be who I already think they are which is a pretty good team that aren't the elite of the elite. Very well said. Pretty good team. Should they be 10 and two? I don't really give a shit because they are 10 and two. I mean, yeah, if you take a look at all their stats, you can make an argument that they could be eight and four to seven and five. Sure. They're 10 and two. Yanni, the over under on this game is 52 and a half. It's getting a little bit large, but guess what? The lines give up a ton of points. They're in a dome. They're at home. They've been moving the ball very well. Team totals are 25 and a half for the Vikings, 27 and a half for the Lions. You play anything on this, Yanni? Not yet, and I'm not sure that I will. I, I will say this. I, I, I think there are going to be a lot of points in this game, but we've seen the trend this year. Division games have been under, under, under. Um, so I'm a little hesitant to play 
with it being so high, even though I do think these, these teams are going to score on each other. I, to me, if I'm playing this game, it's a numbers play. And, and I think Tasty kind of brought it up. Right now, if it's two and a half, I probably would take the Lions. If it gets to three, I probably would take Minnesota. But the fact that it's that close to me is why I don't think I'm going to bet this game. And I, I think the other thing, when you, when you bring up that stat about one score games and how instead of being, you know, whatever, they could be one in 11. The, the thing is, it just speaks to the variance when you are playing these close games, which they make it hard to bet. So if you can't find a good edge for me, I don't necessarily want to force it. And I'll say this, normally you would look at this and obviously, again, the public's watching ESPN and they see that the the Vikings have a better record and they're saying, Oh, this is a trap game. You know I mean? You're, you see all that stuff going on. I think this is, if there's a such thing as a square sharp play, it's this every sharp in the world is like, Oh, lions, lions, lions. Yeah. And it's like, I, I mean, normally the sharps know what they're doing. And I think normally it kind of flies under the radar in situations like this, but because there's such a discrepancy in records, this one's like brought to the forefront and that worries me a little bit. So for me, I think I got to stay away. It, you know, if I were going to play it, like I said, I'm playing the number if that's the case. Lions, if it's two and a half, Vikings, if it's three. Yes, indeed. Phenomenal breakdowns, guys. I think to Tasty's point, if this does get to three, I don't expect it to get to three. But hey, if I wake up on Sunday morning and there's a three on this, I'll probably put a little bit on the Vikings. It seems like a spot that the Lions will win. They're kind of, you know, they, they've won five out of six games, I think it is at this point. Um, and I could be wrong on that one. I'm hoping that the Lions make the playoffs. They're at five and seven. They, you know, for all intents and purposes, might they need to run the table? They could maybe get it at nine and eight. They're scheduled down the stretch. I mean, they, they start off with, uh, you know, a, a, a tough one here. But then they have at Jets, the Panthers, that should be a win. It's at Panthers. They host the Bears week 17 and then they close against the Packers and is Rogers even going to be playing in that game who knows at at Green Bay in week 18 so they have to at least go four and one down the stretch here and we'll see what happens but they could get this one and I think the Lions would be a fun team in the playoffs so very interesting line it's probably you know the line that I've seen posted about most on Twitter all year. Just people pissed off about about how the Lions are favored and how you know how all of the Vikings and how they shouldn't have ten wins. I'm like, all right, guys, let's just settle down here because the spread is what the spread is. The books make the spread, and then all the money comes in. And this actually opened a little bit lower, and we're already at two and a half. So let's see what happens. Good stuff there. Let's go to it's been a it's been a couple of weeks since we've talked about Yanni's bills because I think two weeks ago was Thanksgiving week, didn't get a podcast in because everything was busy. Last week I don't think we broke down the Bills game. So technically two above 500 teams here. We have the Bills at nine, nine and a half, mainly nine and a half across the board. You you can find some nines. Over under at 43 and a half. This is in Buffalo, one o'clock on Sunday afternoon. The Jets are coming off that loss where a lot of people were on the Jets last week. I think that spread was three. We even said, hey, Jets and a tease is good. That got home, I think, at 27-22. Yanni, do you think that the Jets are being disrespected a bit in this spot, or is this just a case of the Bills are at home, Josh Allen's healthy again, they're the the home field advantage favorite um, at this point, and the Bills should be favored by just about 10 points in this spot? 
This is a tricky one. And I think this speaks to how good the books are at setting lines. And, And what I mean by that is I do think the spread's a little disrespectful. To me, this should be more of a minus six and a half to seven, in my opinion. So when you start seeing a nine, I think you can look at that and say, yeah, that's too much. But we've talked about this on your pod before. The Bills are a team that when they win, they win. Um, and, you know, if you believe that they're going to come out and beat the Jets here, they could easily win this game by 17 or 20 points. So, you know, you're kind of playing with fire, even though I think the value is probably a couple points with the Jets there, because I do think that line's too high. But it almost goes back to, I think we might have even talked about it with the Vikings game. I said one of two things is going to happen in that Vikings game. It's going to be real close and the Vikings may win, which ended up happening, or the Bills could find a way to just blow them off the field, which didn't happen. I didn't think it would, but you know, I think it's kind of a similar breakdown when you look at this game with the Jets, and it's really all because of Mike White. He's looked pretty good in his two starts. I mean, he's thrown the ball well. He's mostly taken care of the ball, um, you know, making pretty good decisions, and he pushes the ball downfield. Zach Wilson wasn't doing that, so he kind of gives them this whole dynamic. And, I mean, I'm, I'm a big believer. I think that's, that Jets defense is top five in the league. I think they're, you know – they're not quite on the level of say a San Francisco, but I think they're one tick below when you kind of look at that defense, they're stout against the run. They've got physical corners that are not afraid to get up there and and play. So that, you know, when you look at that, it could be tough, but then again, I think you also got to look and say, this is with the exception. I mean, obviously I mentioned Von Miller, but this is about as health as healthy as this bill's team has been going in. And when they played the Jets the first time, they were missing three or four, actually probably more than that, really key people in their lineup here that they're going to have back. And I think the fact that they're at home, they've had a little extra rest because they played on Thursday night there. Um, They're actually getting some practices in. I think they're going to get it done. I think that if they win this game, it's going to be a typical Bills win where they, you know, make it look fairly easy and they win by 17 points. If this game ends up being close, I got to tell you, I'm worried that that Mike White's going to sneak away with a victory. So all that being (laughs) said, two games in a row, I can't really give you a great, a great take on here because I really think that the variance here in final score could be a 20 point swing. And, And when I'm looking at it that way, I want nothing to do with betting a game like that. Yeah, it's hard to lay the points, and it's hard to say, hey, tease this, because you're not getting great numbers on a tease at this point either. At nine and a half, a a seven-point teaser is going to cost you a lot of money, and I'm not really in the business of doing that whatsoever. Taking a look at stats on the year, the Bills do rank number two overall in yards. The Chiefs are at number one. To Yanni's point, though, the Jets do have a stout defense yards against on the season here, Tasty. Number four, the Niners are first because they I think we all believe, Tasty, that they have the best defense overall. But Jets grayed out pretty well defensively overall points against on the year 223. Not that much. But guess what? The Bills actually have only given up 209 points themselves. Tasty, have you done anything with this game or is it just kind of let's see if the Jets continue to I'm not going to say regress, but take another loss and the Bills continue to ascend to that one seed in the AFC. Uh, I don't necessarily want to do this here with Uh-oh. Yanni, but oh, I think I know what's uh, coming ha- right now. I have to say, I like the Jets <laughs> in this spot, man. Yeah. Um, okay, and I, okay. I agree with what Yanni was saying about the high variance, and because of that, I haven't made a play on this so far. But man, I'm considering it, and that's no disrespect to the Bills. Like I, I, I think when the Bills are healthy, I put them in the top few teams to make it to the Super Bowl. So. Um, or even win the Super Bowl. So it's no disagreement on that. I think 
The Jets, though, even with losing to Minnesota, have a little bit of momentum with Mike White. I think they're de- they are the kind of team that could hang with the Bills because I think they can make it hard for the Bills on offense. And I, sometimes with the Bills, it feels like if you stifle them and slow them down a little bit early, then it's a little tough for them to get going again. And so I think the first quarter or the first couple drives could even be really important in this game. If the, if the Jets can force the Bills to punt, I think that could set a tone for the game. And it's a very small sample size this year, and it's two really bad defenses. Let's get that straight. It was Chicago and Minnesota. But even in that loss, the Jets have put up 466 yards and then 486 yards in the two games since Mike White took over. They have good weapons on offense, and they don't just rely on one person. Michael Carter looks like he could be back this week, which is just another weapon in the run game, though the Bills have been pretty good against the run. And with Vaughn Miller out now, I don't know how much pressure they'll get on Mike White. And if he has time, I think he's going to be able to find those receivers. So I actually like this to be a fairly close game. We'll see if I uh, get confident in it, enough in it to bet it or not. Um, but but I do, if anything, I like the Jets here. I I wouldn't play the Bills at this number personally. Interesting. Maybe if this gets to 10, then you can take the Jets at plus 10. And who knows, there might be like a book or two that's available. Mike White, it's pretty fascinating to me. He threw the ball 57 times last week, guys. 31 of 57. He's moving the ball very effectively. Um, but that that is just something that I, I can't believe that, one, he's starting in the NFL again. Maybe we should believe because Zach Wilson was that bad. And it just seems like this team moves the ball a lot better with Mike White. 5.9 yards per play, 486 yards last week, where they do need to improve. And honestly, why they lost, 3 of 16 on third down against the Vikes last week. So you and, can't and be doing that. Red zone too, right? I mean, they settled for what, mm-hmm. five, five field goals. I mean, you got to be able to, to get it into the end zone. I The team seems to be 100% behind White. And, you know, it just never really felt that way, at least the way it feels with White as it did with Wilson. There's two other, I think, I, two other interesting things I think you can look at in this game um, from an X and O standpoint. Number one is watch the injury report for Bill's left tackle, Deion Dawkins. Um, I don't know if you guys caught that game against the Patriots. They, you know, they had their backup tackle in there and man, he was getting abused. Now, Josh Allen can mask some of that. He can roll out, he can avoid sacks, that kind of thing. But the Jets are, I think, a little more aggressive with that up front. So, and you know, to, to Tasty's point, when, when Allen gets knocked around early, which is actually kind of what happened the first time they played the Jets, to his point, they kind of, the offense kind of skids. They get a little frustrated. They tend to get conservative with their play calling, and it just doesn't click the way that it does. So I think you want to watch that. The other really interesting thing with the Jets, and this goes not only for this game, but for the rest of the season, someone turned me on to this, and I can't remember who it was because I'd like to give them credit. The Jets play about as aggressive in the secondary as any team in the league. They hold, they push, they pass interfere. And you almost have to look at the referee matchup for the weekend to see what kind of crew you have. Is it a crew that's going to let these guys grab and push and hold? Because if they do, all of a sudden their defense becomes that much better because now receivers aren't getting open and third down passes and, you know, and that. And I will tell you in watching that first Bills and Jets game, They were holding and pass interfering and contact all game. And I'm not saying that as a bitter fan. That is a fact. If the refs, (laughs) and and again, I think you could look at the Jets all the rest of the season that their their defense, that's kind of how their secondary is built. So if you find a matchup, conversely, if you find a matchup where the refs are throwing flags and particularly holding and pass interference flags, 
I think that favors the other team tremendously. So I think that's something that needs to be looked at too. Good call. And let's see what happens with that. If they're letting that go early, then all of a sudden, if the bills go up early, I'm like, well, they're letting all these things go. If I can get like a jets plus 13 or something, I might come in and we'll see what happens in this game. Just, just to preview the jets closing schedule here. They are seven and five. They currently have the seven seed in the AFC. So if the playoffs started today, they would be in the playoffs at the chiefs tough matchup, but the bills, they host the lions. They host the Jaguars. That's a Thursday night game, December 22nd. So short week there, Lions Jaguars. They go at Seattle. That is tough. January 1st, New Year's Day against the currently seven and five Seahawks. Then they close the season against the Dolphins. So nine easy schedule here, guys. There, there are three games that they're going to be dogs in, right? Probably three games that they're dogs. Yeah, but, you know, probably not huge dogs, depending obviously upon what happens here. But, I mean, they have really yeah. two, two games that are at home that are very winnable for them, which that puts them at nine wins. So if you're the Jets, you're trying to figure out which one of those other three games can you win. That gets you to 10 wins, which, I mean, that, that gets you in. So, I mean, I think you got to look and say this Jets team is definitely poised to, to get into the playoffs here. Obviously, this week would be huge if they came away with a win here. But even if they don't, um, I think this team is going to be a factor the, the last four weeks of the season. Definitely. Good call. 10 and 7 has to be the goal. And they do have that, that extended week. They do play on the 22nd, and then they get 10 days rest before going to the Seahawks. So that could be, you know, in their favor, and they'll probably be a slight underdog. But let's see what happens. Let's see if the Seahawks keep on doing their thing. It'll be really interesting to see what that uh, spread opens at for week 17. If I have my week straight, that is week 17 because there's week 18 now in the NFL. Finally get my week straight here, guys. It took me, you know, uh, 45 minutes tonight. Let's do, let's do Tampa and Niners next. These are two teams that a lot of people think are going in different directions, but guess what? Tampa right now holds the division lead in the NFC South. They're going to make the playoffs unless something ridiculous happens. Are they a playoff caliber team? Not really, but at six and six, that's what gets it done in that division. They're currently underdogs, three and a half point underdogs. Yanni, I think you said that there are some expensive threes out there potentially as we're recording on Wednesday evening, but mainly three and a half over under of 37. Jimmy G out. Definitely for the regular season. I saw some buzz today that he could come back in the postseason. Just saw something right before we started recording saying that they're not really optimistic on that, that basically consider him out for the season. So that's a big blow for Niners futures bets. I know that all of us have some of that. But in the case of this game here against a Tampa team that they probably should have lost that game on Monday night, but they're playing a team that's the Saints, that's a shitty team in their division also. Tampa does not look good. And in that case, I'm sitting here and saying, okay, I know that the Niners have a backup quarterback in, and they're probably playing Purdy unless they, you know, sign someone. And they didn't sign Baker Mayfield there, Yanni. But at three and a half points, I'm taking a look at this, and I'm saying, okay, if you didn't already get the three, which was available, do you want to lay the three and a half still against this, this team that looks like a cohesive unit and a dominant defense right now, Yanni? Three and a half points. Yeah, and I, I think you kind of nailed it. I mean, do you want to bet a bad number, so to speak? And with that three being out there to start and going to three and a half, that's the question. I mean, I think long-term, the betting strategy is no, you don't want to do that. 
Um, if you want to try to buck the system, so to speak, um, you know, then then obviously you can do that. I'll try to give this one a little bit of a, a bigger breakdown, Tasty here. So um, it, it, there's a couple things I look at here. You know, I mentioned with the Lions and Vikings a square sharp game, and I think you kind of have the same thing here with this uh, Niners and Bucks game. I think the average person is saying Tom Brady against a guy who Brock, who Mr. Irrelevant. Yep. Um, you know, I, I think you're looking at that and saying, and he's getting over a field goal. Like, Oh, I got to slam the Buccaneers here. It's Tom Brady, right? They got Julio Jones and Mike Evans and Chris. Scott. I mean, I think that's what, what people are thinking. Right. But we've talked about for weeks now that this is not a Tampa Bay team. That's very good. Despite the fact they have the best quarterback in history, despite the fact they have some really talented players on both sides of the ball, um, this is not a great team. So I'm looking at this and I'm saying there's probably one team in the league that it doesn't really matter who's playing quarterback, and that's the San Francisco 49ers. And that's not a shot at Jimmy G because I actually think that the guy is a pretty capable quarterback. I'm not a, I'm not a hater on Jimmy G by any means. But I don't know that you account for much by putting this guy in. Um, you know, we'll see. I mean, obviously, he could come in and, and look terrible, and, and who knows. But the limited, very limited sample size we saw, he looked just fine. He seemed comfortable. He made some plays. Um, and, and again, all you're asking this guy to do is figure out how to get the ball in McCaffrey's hand, get the ball into Debo's hand, get the ball into Kittle's hand. That's really all they're asking him to do. And in this game, they won't even be asking him to do a heck of a lot of that, I don't think. I think it's just going to be hand the ball off, uh, swing passes, screen passes, all that kind of stuff here. This is going to be a 49ers defensive game. That Tampa Bay line is a disaster. You saw going yeah. into the Saints there, they had one starter out of their last year five left tackle Donovan Smith. He looked absolutely awful in that game. So, you know, you, you, you start looking at that offensive line and you're saying, oh my gosh, here's Nick Bosa. Here's this 49ers front seven. I mean, Dre Greenlaw is playing out of his mind. If you haven't watched him play, he may be the, the, the most underrated defensive player in the league. I mean, that guy is an absolute monster out there. So I think we're looking at that. And there's two things. When Brady can't run the ball at all, Tampa's been bad running the football this year. When they don't run it at all, it's trouble. When he gets pressure, it's trouble. They're not going to run the ball in this game. And I think he's going to be under tremendous pressure here. So can Byron Leftwich come up with a good enough scheme that's, you know, continues to have him get the ball out. We see how limited they are on offense. It's literally, uh, you know, they had a what second and goal from the four and two, took two cracks, throwing the ball basically behind the line of scrimmage because they just have no confidence in dropping back and throwing. So I got to be honest, I don't care if it's Brock Purdy and if you're willing to play the quote unquote bad number when a three was available again, season betters are going to say, don't do it. That's a losing proposition. But I got to tell you, if you're asking me to take a side, I'm taking the Niners all day. And I got to be honest, I'm not sure that this game ends up being close. This to me could be a 10 or, or you know, 16 point San Francisco win when it's all said and done, because I just struggle seeing Tampa score. The other thing I think we need to look at here really quickly is what's the team total for Tampa in this game? I yep, that's what I'm looking at right now, actually. 16 and a half. Yep. I was hoping for a 17. Yep, a I'm half, hoping but... for a 17. Um, and this is at DraftKings right now that the Niners are favored by three. So you can get a juicy three at minus 115 at DraftKings here on Wednesday evening. But the under 16 and a half is even money overall. I'm hoping that there's a 17 out there because I could see this game being, I don't know, 
not that close. But then I'm saying, okay, if I do think that this game is not necessarily going to be that close because Tampa is going to struggle to move the ball and Brady's going to be under duress the entire time, why don't I just lay the spread and take that three right now, that juicy three? And it's not the worst juice in the world. I think that's what I'm going to do is that I'm going to take Tampa or take Tampa, take the Niners in this spot. Tampa falls to six and seven. And yes, I know that Tom Brady had a game winning drive. Yes. I know that he had two touchdowns late, but he's playing the saints and they only mustered 17 points barely against the saints. And they had extra rest because that was a Monday night football game at home. No less. I, I don't trust the coaching staff there. Don't trust Leftwich. Don't trust any of it. And I think that going across the country on a short week, right? Like this is a short week that plays into it too. I know Brady's done this over and over again, because he's like 48 years old, but that also plays into it. And I think when you package this all up together, tasty, I'm thinking that Niners minus three is the play against Tampa here. And Tampa looks like pure shit, as you said at the top of the show, right? Yes, that is true. Yes. So yes. I, <laughs> I did take that minus three already. Uh, you guys may have talked about this. I, I'd be somewhat interested in the under, especially with Purdy playing quarterback. Now, I don't know how many points the Niners will put up. I just think it'll be enough to beat the Bucs. I, I really do think the Buccaneers are not good. And I will, I mean, Brady's a goat. I, I'm never trying to just dump on Tom Brady. I, I think We've been saying, I mean, I think people started saying like eight years ago that he was starting to decline and then he yeah. never was, right? <laughs> but I just sort I do sort of wonder if it's happening a little bit. I don't even mean that he's like the worst quarterback in the league or something, but just that he's not going to carry them anywhere by himself. And he's not getting a ton of help outside of Godwin. So I think the I think if the Bucks didn't have Brady and didn't have some of the pedigree that they have, we'd be looking at them as a bottom at least bottom half, if not bottom third team in the league. Very fair. I think they are. That is extremely fair. And they probably will, they'll probably end up as like a bottom third team, like in that middle of the pack, 15 to 20, they'll make the playoffs. They'll be underdogs in the first round. I assume that say that we have Tampa and Dallas in the first round, the Cowboys are favored on the road in that game, right? They're, they're definitely favored in that oh, game yeah. oh, by, yeah. by three plus. And so it's a matter of this team, you can't rely on Tom Brady to, you know, put up all of the points in years past. And even last year, like he was still slinging that ball around and they had a pretty good effort in the playoffs. And I just don't see that happening this year and all the more reason to lay the points. I'm looking at team totals. I'm searching for team totals. Bovada's not going to help us out either guys. It's a 15 and a half on Bovada, a plus one Oh five, not taking that. If you're going to take anything, I think it's just that three, but, uh, Check, and maybe there's a book out there with uh, 17. Homework for post-pod production tonight to try to find that 17 somewhere, some book, somehow, some way. Um, okay, good deal. The Niners with a win, that would put them to what, guys? Nine and four? To nine and four. To a team that was three and four at one point after that Falcons loss. So they're, they're just running it right now, and they look to be in line to take that NFC West from the the rams who are not going to win the nfc west this year for sure but the seahawks who have been pesky are hanging around in there let's touch on a couple more things before we call it an evening here i think that we did touch a little bit on Bengals browns and how you could tease that the eagles we touched on at the top of the show we said you could tease them they had a dominant performance 
these are two teams that I think we'll be talking about a lot down the stretch. So both of you had the suggestion that, you know, Dolphins Chargers is actually a really good game. These are two teams that are above 500. If the playoffs started today, would both teams make it or would the Chargers be the odd man out? I think they'd be the odd man out, right? They, mm-hmm. They'd be the eight seed right now. But Tasty, that just kind of seems like what the Chargers have been over and over again. All the talent they have, a quarterback that I expect to be in the MVP conversation at some point in his career, coming up short again, another high over under, a team that's underachieving, and they're, they're three and a half point dogs at home against the Dolphins. Tasty, how are you feeling about this one? Except that you're glad you're not a Chargers fan. <laughs> yeah, although historically being a Vikings fan isn't much better, I will say. Till but, this uh, year. For till, this year, I'll take it. Till sure. this year, Tasty. So I will say there is a minus three on the Dolphins out there. It's actually minus 110 on points bet is what I'm seeing. Nice. So in this game, I think this is the kind of matchup that is really tailor-made for the Dolphins to go off. If Tua can get time and the secondary is even a little bit soft, I think the Dolphins offense is high-powered and can put up a ton of points. Now, I do think we're going to see them, though, when they run into good defenses really struggle. Um, I think Tua is going to struggle when those windows close. He's going to struggle when he's under duress, which is why I wouldn't really like the Dolphins to win as a long shot to win the Super Bowl or something, because I think there's too many problems for them along the way. But I think this is a great matchup for them. Now, I do think it matters if Mike Williams is going to be back for the Chargers. I really think it changes their offense to have Williams and Keenan Allen on the field. And while the Chargers offense has been a little bit better just having Keenan Allen back, I think it's it's just worlds different if they have both. So if they have both of them back, I would like this to be a pretty high scoring game um, where, the, where the Chargers are able to put up some points too. But the Dolphins defense, I don't know. I just, I, they're kind of okay. I mean, you know, I've talked about the, the Lions and the Vikings being similar teams. I almost feel like the Dolphins are a similar kind of team too, though probably a little bit better than either one of those um, because they're defense is a little bit better um and I think their defense is going to be good enough in this scenario especially if Williams is not playing and I think the offense is going to go off I mean I said this I think a couple weeks ago on this show the scary thing about the Dolphins against a team like the Chargers is let's say that the Chargers hold them to 10 or 14 points through two and a half quarters and you're like oh this is going to be a good game the Dolphins in the fourth quarter can go out there and post 21 points, True. 24 points. True. They can just explode. And so I like the Dolphins minus three here. And I'd lean toward the over, though I feel less confident on that. Yeah, I would rather play the minus three. And there certainly are threes out there. There's a bunch of three and a half. But then if you keep scrolling, there, there's plenty of expensive threes. But you can find a minus 110. And you said at points, but it was like a minus 107, maybe tasty um, at the three so that, I think that's, it's minus 110 at points bet. okay okay that that's still perfectly fair I do like the Dolphins in this spot the Chargers I think they're going to end up being that odd team out eight seed nine seed call it and they're probably not going to get into the playoffs it seems Yanni that the Chargers save their best games against the Chiefs in every other game it's like it could go either way and they're the opposite of the Vikings that those close games they keep on inventing ways to lose and I wouldn't be shocked if they do it again this Sunday they, they sure do, and it doesn't seem to matter who the coach is. It doesn't seem to matter who the quarterback is. This nope. it's, it, it's like when it becomes your identity, it carries over. And it seems like Justin Herbert took a beating the last week or so as far as, oh, he's just a guy. People were too high on him, and maybe that's true. But 
I don't really put this Chargers thing on Herbert here. Um, I think, you know, again, this Chargers team, first of all, I don't like their head coach. I think I've said that on here before. I, I think he, I, I, look, I know he's an analytics guy. I'm not anti-analytics by any means, but I think this guy just takes it to a whole new level. And I think he hurts his team week in and week out. So I think they have that going against him from the get-go. But the Chargers are a little bit like the Rams in the sense that they built their team around some big, big, big name, big dollar players. And when you do that and those players get hurt or something happens, guess what? You got nothing behind them. And I've said this before on here. It's one thing when you have a mediocre guy who goes out because you know what? You plug his backup in. Yeah, there might be a little bit of a fall off, but at the end of the day, it's not the end of the world. It's another thing when you have a Joey Bosa who goes out, who is a difference maker, who is a pro bowl, all pro type player and now you're throwing some guy in there behind him. And guess what? As a result, the Chargers don't, don't put pressure on opposing quarterbacks. So if Bosa were in, I bet they would. But guess what? He's not. So now they don't. To, to Tasty's point, these are the type of matchups where I think Tua can absolutely go nuts. I think the Dolphins will be able to run the ball a little bit. If they try, they're going to have to try. Um, but I think they'll be able to. I think that just keeps the windows open. I mean, when they lost J.C. Jackson, who wasn't playing that great anyways, but when they lost him, now you've got Asante Samuel Jr., who was a very nice rookie, but man, he's looked bad this year. I don't know if it's a sophomore slump. I don't know if that's who he is, but this team is not good on the defensive side of the ball once you go past Khalil Mack and maybe Derwin James. So I think you kind of look at that and you say, this is a matchup where I think the Dolphins can score Really, as long as they're focused, they can score as much as they need to in this game. The question is going to be, can Herbert keep up on the other side or make a comeback? I definitely think the Dolphins are the right side here because I think certainly defensively they're better, even though I think uh, they are a little bit of an underachieving defense. They are still better defensively. And I just don't see this offense. If you guys saw the graft, and I've, I've shouted out these guys before, Sportfolio Kings, the graft that they put up, they nailed down to a, and basically they circled his four games where he was basically not good. And then his, you know, five games where he was awesome. And you can literally see on the graph to Tasty's point four good defenses, five crappy defenses. Yep. So I, I think it's, I mean, it's, it, it, look, that's simplifying it down, but the reality of it is, is he's facing a bad defense here. Why would we expect that he's not going to light them up? Like he did, you know, those other five defenses that were not very good. So I'm going to take the 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 Chargers as or I'm sorry the Dolphins as well here minus three. Again, I think you could even look at their 27 and a half over total. I mean, this is definitely a game where they could get to 30 plus points. I was just um, looking at that. Yep. Yeah, and I mean honestly, you may even consider that because that protects you a little bit if Herbert does kind of have that keep them close backdoor type thing, which we've seen the Chargers do before. So. That, that's kind of my take here. I think it's Dolphins, Dolphins point total. You know, if you want to play the whole over, um, this should be a entertaining game, I think. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Should be a very entertaining game. The play that I'm going to make on this, I'm definitely going to take this Dolphins at three because I could see this three kind of getting away from us. At 27 and a half, I do like that team total. If I can find a 26 and a half, and there might be one out there somewhere because 27 and a half here on Wednesday evening, it's minus 105. So it's pretty cheap. So there might be a 27 flat. Um, I don't hate that either. I think that if the Chargers lose this game, they're they're in a really tough spot, guys, because they they'd be six and seven. They come back the next week against the Titans, and I know that we're not huge on the Titans, 
But the Titans, you know, they're they're due to have that grinded out type win. And these are two pretty evenly matched teams. They play the Colts on Monday Night Football, uh, Christmas weekend, the Rams. I guess that should be a win, but who knows? And then they close the season against the Broncos. Maybe Russ can get a win in week 18. So basically, if the Chargers lose this game, they're in a world of hurt. They need this one. But it sounds like all of us are not very confident in that happening. I would like to see the Dolphins take care of business here. Great stats about Tua. When he's matched up against a not-so-great defense, he makes it happen. Tasty. Yeah, I was just going to throw in to Yanni's point. I just went and looked up the how many points they've scored. And when you look at those defenses that aren't as good, especially in recent history here, I mean, they only scored like it's not good that they scored 16 against Minnesota, but they didn't have Tua. 16 against Pittsburgh. And then since then, 31 Detroit, 35 Chicago, 39 Cleveland, 30 Houston, and then only 17 against San Francisco. So not only are they going over 27 and a half, 28 and a half, they're going over 30 plus against all these sketchy defenses for sure for sure and they they held a game against the Niners what really hurt them was they what oh for seven oh for nine on third down that can't happen again if they just complete two or three of those I mean they're, they're in that game and I know that they lost by 16 but that game was a bit closer Niners are the better team for sure but I don't want people to take a look at that game if you didn't watch and say oh they didn't perform well because they were in that game in the fourth quarter and Tua guess what he's not playing the Niners defense this week so that'll bode well for them. So I do like the Dolphins at minus three here. Very good. Anything we missed could be that game, could be around the horn in the NFL, could be a WTF that you thought of late an hour later here in this case. If not, then Tasty, tell us about uh, what you have going on. And you've got NBA coming up because the NFL will end eventually. And I feel like that we got to go into hoops at some point. I've got college basketball kind of going but i went zero and two last night so you know <laughs> it happens though it, right it, yeah, it happens yeah so. especially right now it's yeah yeah it's a grinder yeah right now, man i mean you know i've been i've been tracking some stuff and i've definitely been watching more nba recently um yeah i'll get into it the truth is i've enjoyed the nfl and i've put a lot more time into it this year and and these conversations are a big part of that too so i'm continuing to do that uh probably tomorrow or friday you know i've been doing that futures video and i have sort of a different twist on how i'm going to approach it in these last five weeks of the season because i think things change uh when we get down to the last few weeks so i'm going to put out a video about a potential angle on that uh in the next couple days and we'll keep doing best bets and uh hopefully win some best bets uh, <laughs> it has been know? a struggle on best bets. You're probably in the lead now in the season. I might right? be. I might be because I I got that sweep last week to get me out of the hole and back into the positive. Back so, into the positive, and yeah. I went negative because I went 0-2 and one. <laughs> Technically not 0 and three, we switched places. Yeah, we switched 0-5 places. and one in the past two weeks. <laughs> I mean, I, I I was flying high, and then it somewhere around where I stopped keep like stopped knowing what week it was in the NFL. That's kind of where I fell apart. It was like. <laughs> Okay, I'm running hot. I'm up a bunch right now. And then for some reason, it was right around that World Series time. I think I had too many nights out. And I just lost track, and I'm not going to be able to get it back. For the rest of the season, I'm going to think it's week 13 when it's 14, 16 when it's 17. It's just going to be a fucking disaster. Yanni, keep me straight here. I am in the playoffs in DFS. Don't spoil the whole article, but you've been putting out great content. I know Chubb didn't get it there for us last week, but you've had plenty of good plays. Plenty of good stuff coming out. Doesn't need to be your 
top guy of the week, but a guy that I should probably insert into my lineup to keep advancing in the playoffs in DFS this week. I'll, I'll just say this. There's some really good value at the running back position this week. So okay. make sure you're, make sure your flex player is a running back. Um, I think you can look at a guy like Isaiah Pacheco. I think he has a nice matchup. Um, you know, guys like that, that you can get inexpensively to round out your roster. You're still going to need to fit. You're going to need to hit your big ones, but if you can hit your big ones, I think there's some really appealing running back sleepers that you can round out your roster with. Perhaps that I'll, that is what I'll do is get a little bit cheaper at running back. I paid up a little bit last week, but still got Joe Burrow in the mix. That's good. Cause he got me through. And so maybe I'll pay up for a quarterback. So, yeah. And I think, I think you gotta, you gotta play that lions Vikings game. I mean, I think you can stack up guys like cousins, Jefferson, you know, Hawkinson, that kind of thing. Or if you want to go the other route, I think you can stack up Goff and Amon Ross St. Brown and, you know, maybe get DeAndre Swift in. It seems like he's back in the, you know, fold. Yep. So a lot of, if you get a lot of those guys in your roster, you're probably going to put some points up. I've been having a lot of Lions players in the past month here, and it's treated me pretty well. And if you can have that stack, then all of a sudden it's like, well, if you get a golf to St. Brown touchdown or two, you're sitting real pretty, especially when you're in a, a playoff matchup. So guys, real good podcast. Apologize that I was late this evening, but we got it in. Real good bets that we'll have, and let's continue to get on track here as we go down the home stretch. Yanni Tasty, appreciate it as always, guys. Thanks, man. Take care.